0: My name is David. As many of you know, I am a volunteer here. Uh, Pastor Rob is away again this weekend, but he will come back next week, the week after, and the week after, and the week after. So those of you like me who love his teaching, so he will be here for a while to to talk to us, um, to share what God put. On his heart to share with us. Um, we continue today with our series uh, "Faith Inside Out." It's it's a very very important um, series of messages. We will we'll have a chance to to go deep in it um, again today. But before we get into the message this morning. Uh, there are a few things you do not know about me I would like to share with you. One of them is that I love comedy. Um, I watch comedy shows. Sometimes I go to events where there is, you know, stand-up comedy. Um, I am a social worker. In my day-to-day work, I see a lot of despair, I see suffering, I see pain, I see desperation. So at the end of my day or the end of the week when I sit in front of my TV and and get a dose of laughter, it's the greatest medicine for me. Um, sometimes I act like I'm crazy. My kids will take picture of me to shame me afterwards. <laughs> um, there is one very popular in Canada. It's called Just for Laughs. I don't know if you guys uh, have seen this one. And there is one in the States called Big Bang Theory. This one is my favorite. Um, Whenever I'm watching an episode of Big Bang Theory, I always watch this show with two lenses. One part of my brain is enjoying laughing about the, uh, 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 the you know the, the craziness of the characters, how ridiculous they are, but at the same time, there is a part of my brain. Examining the character traits of each character, each individual cast member. Um, can we show the, exactly, this is the cast of Big Bang, Big Bang Theory. They are my favorite people. <laughs> they bring me a lot of laughter. In the left, in the green sweater, is Amy. Amy is uh, is a scientist, she's very confident, um, very smart. Howard is is also a scientist, he's an astronaut, been to space. Uh Penny is not so very smart, but smart anyway. Um, she flirts um, with a lot of boys. But also having difficulty communicating with this bunch of nerds because they are a bunch of scientists so he has, she has difficulty communicating with them because they use a bunch of scientific terms when they are talking with each other. So many of you who have people working for the government, sometimes they use Some ridiculous acronyms and PIC, PSAC, But You're talking with them, you don't even know what they're talking about. People who have family members in healthcare as well. I am one. Sometimes they're talking to you, they think they're talking with a doctor, with a nurse, and then using those terms, medical terms, you do not even get a crew. What they talk about, so Penny is having a lot of problem with the science. Sheldon is my favorite character. Um, and Leonard, also a great scientist. He won Nobel Prize, but very insecure. Raj, also a scientist, but he has low self-esteem. Doesn't believe in himself. He cannot even talk to girls and Bernadette, a very uh highly educated professionals. So when I watch this show, all I can see um, that it is I need to get into my cheat notes. When I look at the show I see that it represents exactly what's going on in society around me. Very, very representative of society. So as I said, the most interesting character for me in the cast is Sheldon. Why interesting? It's because Sheldon is very smart. When Sheldon was about 11, 12, he has already been in college And then by the time he's 15, he has his master's degree, PhD, and he was still a teenager. So Sheldon used the fact that he's smart to look down on everybody else. I just told you how smart the other characters are. But the fact that they have Sheldon in their lives to look down on them, to speak negativity on them they still have a very disgusted life, poor, because Sheldon look, looks down on them. So in today's message, we are going to look at a situation almost similar that was happening in the first century church in Jerusalem where James was a leader. And he stood up to denounce such a practice. This is what we're gonna see this morning, but before we get into it, allow me to pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for being here today. There is no better place to be than in your presence, in your house. Lord, we came this morning. There are lots of things you could, we could be at home doing, but we've chosen to be here. It means that we, we are thirst for something. We are looking for something. We are looking, Lord, to recharge our batteries so that we can go about our activities throughout the week. I pray that your Holy Spirit will speak to each and every one of us, and that we will put into practice what we learn in your Word. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Last week, um, through the message that Andre, Andre brought to us, we learned that we should not be... Only hearers of the word, but also doers of the words. What that means it 's not enough for us to only read the word and see what it says, and then do not try to apply it in our lives. So James was a leader in that church, first century church. He noticed it that. There were partiality, there were uh, people playing favoritism with each other within the congregation. And James stood up He said, this is not the Christian way. So in James chapter 2, verse 1 through 13, this is where we find our message this morning. Verse 1, Jim says to the church, My brothers and sisters, actually I need to ask you to forgive me because I have a version that is just a little bit of what you will be seeing on the screen, but bear with me. My brothers and sisters, as believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ, do not show favoritism. He said, suppose a man come comes into your meeting, meaning in your church gathering, wearing a gold ring and fine clothes. And a poor man in shabby clothes also comes in. If you show special attention to the man wearing the fine clothes and say to him, Oh, he is a good seat for you here. But say to the poor men, hey, you, stand here or sit on the floor by my feet. Have you not discriminated among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my dear brothers and sisters. Has not God chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith? And to inherit the kingdom he promised those who love him. But you have insulted the poor. Is it not the rich who are exploiting you? Are they not the ones who are dragging you into courts? Are they not the ones who slandering you the noble name are they not the ones who are slendering the noble name of him to whom you belong? If you really keep the royal law found in Scripture, love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing right. But if you show favoritism, you sin and are convicted by the law as lawbreakers. For whoever keeps... The whole law, and yet stumble as just one point, is guilty of breaking all of it. For he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not murder. If you do not commit adultery, but you commit murder, you have become a lawbreaker. Speak and act as those who are going to be judged, By the law that gives freedom. Because judgment without mercy. Will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. Because mercy triumphs. Over judgment. So. In verse 1. Because of what was going on in that church. James as a leader stood up and and dissuaded the congregation, the members, to not use favoritism. He said, my brothers and sisters, in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ, do not show favoritism. So what he's saying here is that we should not treat people based on their class We should not treat people based on their status in society. Do not discriminate because favoritism and discrimination lead to all sort of bad actions, Jen says. I remember a few months ago, Rob was preaching a series of messages And I remember as it was this morning or yesterday, he was saying for us to be careful of what we think. To be mindful of of our thinking because our thoughts determine our actions. If you discriminate. If you look at someone and you see that person as being inferior, then you, it is possible that you are going to mistreat that person. If you are in a position of, of authority or to give opportunity to that person, you may not give that opportunity. And if we were to go back to history, we will identify many, many, many situations that have happened because of favoritism, because of discrimination, because the nation has found another nation and figure. Hitler is one of these people. We need to be careful of what we think. Because what we think, our thoughts, dictate our actions. I'm going to give you a sad illustration. I moved, not only I, but my family and I. We moved to Canada. Actually, I shouldn't say move. I should say we immigrated um, to Canada. I don't know what the difference is anyway. Um, In 2008, we came to Canada, and we landed in Ottawa. I was living in the state uh, uh, in 2008, before we moved, and I was attending a very large church in Florida. When I landed here, I my pastor called me, and uh, the senior pastor of my church, to check on me and my family, and I told him that I landed in Ottawa. And he was very thrilled because he has or had a very good friend of his who is a pastor in Ottawa. And he told me, don't worry, stay where you are. I'm going to call my friend, and then they're going to come and check on you and your family. And maybe the first day or the day after, I received a call from someone in the community uh, introducing himself, saying from such, such church. And we made an appointment. He was coming to see me at the motel where we were. The pastor sent one of the deacon um, to meet with us to see us, and from that point on, it was in September 2008, and we started attending that church. But what was so strange in the experience was that there were a lot of. People, especially Haitian at the time, leaving the states, people who were without status in the state, and the Canadian government uh, made a special provision to those people to come to Canada for a second chance. And it means those people, including myself, many of us, did not have money. Um, as you know it, we didn't have immigration status. We were refugees or asylum seekers, as they call it. We were staying in a Lelo motel, um, one womb, three children and my wife with a microwave. So, this guy came to meet with us. We started attending the church. But what what I want to tell you is that the fact that we were in that position where we were, no money, homeless, living in a motel, no status yet, because you don't even know if the Canadian government will... Analyze your situation and say you can stay or you cannot stay. So you are considered a nobody. And because I was considered a nobody, the pastor of that church never made an effort to, to meet with me. Although I was referred to him by his good friend or best friend the other pastor. He communicated with us through the deacon. Um, Sometime after church, um, if he's standing at the narthex where everyone is going out, I will have the opportunity to say hello, but I don't think he knew who I was. Never made an attempt to know this family that the other pastor was referred because we were too low. On the social ladder for him to have contact with us. So I was in the church from September, October, we were there, November 2008, December 2008, not even once. Because we were too low, they selected somebody special to to communicate with those low class people including myself and at the end of december of 2008 someone invited me and my families to to a church and that church was warmly And since that last week of December, it's been 15 years. We have not left. I am sharing this story, it's because that happened in church. Because of my status at that time, I was not treated like a brother in Christ. So what James is saying here is that we should not look at people just because they are less educated than us or because they are in a lower class in society than us and then to treat them or to discriminate against them. James was seeing that in the church in Jerusalem and he denounced it. In verse 2, to four Jim said he gave the the illustration that i I read for you earlier he said let's say two two people showed up in your in your assembly one is rich and one is poor and the rich guy is well dressed with gold all over him and rings all over his fingers so would you tell him that there is that wonderful spot for him to sit, and then you tell the other one, put your butt down on the ground. Would you Would you say that? He said, if you are doing that, you are playing favoritism, and that is called discrimination and prejudice. He said, to not do that because it's not in accordance with Christian values because he said when you play favoritism when when discrimination or, or or prejudice call into our lives whether we want it or not we we start to act unfairly to people and jim said we have when we cultivate uh-uh. favoritism and discrimination and prejudice, he said, we we become judges with evil motives, he said. So James, as a leader, urged the people of that church to not practice Favoritism or discrimination because he says this practice is not, it is not in accordance with God's character. He says favoritism is contrary to Christian values and it is simply a sin to not do that. In verse five, going through seven, James Jim reminded um, the members of that community how how prideful the rich are sometimes. That doesn't mean they are not rich people who are obedient, who are Christ's followers but as we see throughout the bible sometimes uh, the rich uh, are so prideful they they believe in themselves they are self sufficient they do not want to follow jesus but in in return jesus called the tax collectors The fishermen, the poorest of the poorest, and their show, their humility and their obedience to Jesus. James said to the community to not practice favoritism, to stop revealing the rich, to stop worshipping those who have and stop despising those who have not. In my home country, sometimes when we talk about discrimination and prejudice, sometimes we often think about white versus black or or red versus brown and yellow, whatever you want to call it. But I, I, I experienced, I saw prejudice and discrimination in my own country and we are a black country. We were a colony of, of the French. We were occupied by the, by the Americans. So we have a bunch of Metis in our country, in Haiti. And then you see, the separation between people with clearer skin. If you are, your skin is a little clearer and you, you have access to opportunity and those who are darker does not. And you can see most of the rich in the country are people who are closer to, to the white. So, when we talk about discrimination, I don't want you, if you are white, to be uncomfortable about it, although this is something to be comfort- uncomfortable about, but it's not about between white and black, but it's just, Jim says, it is a sin, so it is in our, everybody's vein. So despite... um. They reach sometime not being in power, but they are the one govern. And we see it all over. I see it in Haiti, and I see it in first world country. Someone is not in office, but they govern. It is a sin problem. But what James is telling us, as Christian, we are not to weave people just because of their status, or we are not to discriminate. Just of starts as well. In verse 8 and 9, because we have communion to go to, James, talking to the congregation, he said, if you are really, not if you are, but if you really keep the royal law found in Scripture, the royal law is that you would love your neighbor, as yourself, you are doing right. The royal law. So, if you practice favoritism or discrimination, that means you do not obey, you do not keep the royal law. That say you need to love your brother, you need to love your sister as yourself. We have the story of the Good Samaritan in the Bible. This guy was walking by. He was traveling. And a group of bandits. Of robbers. Beat him up and they stole everything he had. One Jewish leader was passing by. Although the guy on the ground was also Jewish. He was so busy, he did not see that the other guy needed help. He just worked by going about his business. But the Bible says there was a Samaritan who was passing by. He saw the guy on the, on the ground bloody. He had mercy and compassion. For him. And he, although he was maybe in a hurry to go about his business, but he said this guy needed support, needed attention. He paid money out of his pocket for this guy to be taken care of. He was a Samaritan. Investing through thirteen. James says, For whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking it all. So throughout those verses, James encouraged the people to practice the law of liberty. The law of liberty is that if you read the whole passage, uh, James talks about our calling to live a life of mercy and love. To not discriminate, to, to not look at people just of, of where they belong. On the social ladder or, you know, of, of the ethnicity to not judge people on that sense, but to, to care, to love, to treat people with mercy and grace. To finish, I'm, I'm gonna share an illustration with you. An Ottawa guy, I was listening to CBC not too long ago. And there is this this guy in Ottawa who got evicted from his apartment about eight months ago. He was working, and I don't read the whole story to know what exactly happened. was he unable to pay his apartment if he was employed? Maybe he didn't make enough money. To eat, to pay rent and electricity, and you know how, how tough things have come lately, he got evicted and was living in his car. So at some point giving that the car was stationed somewhere, he was not able to to afford gas to put in his car, and maybe for the winter last year. Not last year, but this year, he, the car started to be rotten and, and as you can see, the car broke down completely. Now he was not able to move around. One lady was, went out from, from her home to walk her dog. And then she saw the guy. So I think he's looking good now because, you know, one of the CBC journalists went to meet with her. Maybe he, he's now dressed up, um, for the interview and picture taken. Maybe he did look dead here when that lady saw him. And I do not know what happened inside of her. She, said hello to him and started having a conversation with the guy. And he shared with the lady that he'd been living on the street for the past eight months, evicted from his apartment, and now he received a notice on his car that if he doesn't remove the car, they will uh, tow the car And meaning almost the end of life for him because the car is his house. The car broke down. He would like to move it so that it doesn't get towed, but how he gonna do that? Something spoke to this lady. It has to be the Spirit of God saying maybe I can do something about this. And after that conversation with the gentleman, she went home and she started a GoFundMe pitch asking people to give money. Um, she wanted to raise fourteen hundred to repair the car so the guy could move about, move around. And she ended up raising seven thousand dollars. And when they were speaking with the guy, said, "What you gonna do with that money?" He said, "Yeah, the car gonna cost about fourteen hundred to be repaired, and then the rest, um, I'm gonna give some of it to the human society, and then with the remaining, I'm gonna see if I find an apartment, a cheap apartment somewhere." You remember the guy I spoke about, the tax collector, <laughs> uh, a couple of weeks ago, who met Jesus. He started to follow Jesus. His life began to change. He wanted his friends to meet Jesus. And then he, he met, he, he called that big banquet for Jesus. I think this is exactly what this guy is doing here. Seven thousand dollars. His car will get repaired, but also he said, you know, I'm going to bless somebody else with the money. I'm going to give some to the human society. I shared this information with you because I know kindness flows in Canadian vein. You guys are very, very, very kind. So, if the nation is so kind, I am asking how much more those of us who are Christians should be. How much more kind should we be as Christians? The question I want to ask you and asking myself as well this morning. If it were you or I, would we, whether I were to walk our dog, would we have a conversation with this guy? Would we, Would we have said hello to him? In the condition he was, maybe dirty, his hair is not done. Broken car? Would you even waste your time to take a look at him, even see him? He would be invisible for many of us. Would you have cared enough? Will I have cared enough to engage with this not so clean guy in a conversation? So would you if have discovered that he was on the street not because he was a drug addict? Would you know if you did not engage in a conversation how would I know, or would I just drop to conclusion he has to be a drug addict, looking down on him, discriminate against him just because he's where he is? So friends. Our church, Bromley, our mission, I want to recall you to our mission. Our mission is to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ, one step at a time. Like James was telling the people in the first century church, I am telling you today, I'm urging you to grow in your faith. To grow in your relationship with God. Like Andrew told us last week, to not be hearers of the word, but to be doers of the word. To not only know what the word says, but to to do our best to live it out. We need to grow in that faith we have in Jesus Christ. But the way that will be shown, the way that will be demonstrated, it is in our Grow in love for God and now go in love for others. If that cannot be demonstrated, we are just lying to ourselves. In Philippians chapter 2 verse 5, Paul was talking to the Christian of Philippi. He encouraged them to, to cultivate the qualities That way in Jesus, which are humbleness. He's a caring person. He's impartial. He's caring, selfless, and obedient. Paul said we as Christians need to cultivate those qualities. But I am saying all that, but I know Because I am struggling too. In Romans chapter 7 verse 19. Paul says. I do not do the good. That I want to do. But I do. The bad. I do not want to do. So it means. As we are walking with Christ. We have good intention, but there are times we will hurt people. There are times we will fall. There were times we will miss the point, but at the end of the day, we need to pick up ourselves and continue our way to try to put the word into practice. We all struggle with partiality. We all struggle with favoritism although we know it is not in accordance with God's word. May we all grow in the knowledge of God's love. May we all grow in the knowledge of his love so that we can extend it to others. Jesus went on the cross, not only for the rich, but also for the poor. Not only for those with high status, but those with low status as well. Those who are very educated, no education whatsoever. He died for us all. We are called to a life of mercy and and grace and love. Jesus Show kindness. He show love. He showed grace. All we can do as His followers is to pass it on. Amen. Lord Jesus, we, we thank You this morning. Maybe we did not expect this is the way you were going to speak with us this morning. We were hoping for other things. But this is the provision you have made. I pray that your Holy Spirit will will engage us. Your Holy Spirit will convince us that if we are to live a holistic, Faith, we cannot say we love you and not love our neighbors. We cannot say we care about you and not care about our brothers and sisters. As Paul says in women, sometimes we have good attention, but we do the things we don't want to do. Lord Jesus, we count on you and your Holy Spirit to help us, to strengthen us to give us what it takes, so that we can live out our faith from the inside out. We love you. Thank you for calling us to follow you. And we want to live our faith out, but we cannot do it without you. Be with us. In your name we pray. Amen.